Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell here with you as always. Thrilled to bring you all the news and notes that you need to know around Auburn athletics. As expected, we are going to talk basketball, get it out of the way because we are still reeling and not in a good way after last night's narrow loss to Alabama, but spring football is upon us on the plains. The guys have been out in that gorgeous new facility, utilizing that new practice field, getting in work and preparing for fall. So we've got a few updates from that. Media is allowed a little bit of access um, during spring balls, we have a few reports that have been coming out. It's definitely preliminary, but we will take anything we can get at this time of year. So we've got plenty to catch you up on. Hope you have had a great week since we last spoke. Jay is rocking his Auburn gear. As always, you just can't take the Auburn out of the guy, um, which means that we're doing YouTube again. So if you're listening as a podcast and you do enjoy watching instead of listening, you can catch us on Believe's YouTube channel. We are trying to crank these out every week. So you have either option, listen or watch. So with that, I will bring in my man, Jay Cam, who I believe is muted right now, but we're going to go ahead and unmute. There we go. And uh, we'll catch up with you, Jay, because when we start talking basketball, it's going to sting a little bit, but it is spring football. Let's start with that. We'll start on a high. What do you remember about getting back into spring football, being back out there with the guys? It feels very early that they're doing it. I mean, we literally just hit March, but they're out there. You know what you're chasing. You know what you're working for. What do you remember about those days when you were at Auburn? Woo, spring football, you know, awesome time. Guys get excited about spring ball because, one, you're done with winter workouts. You know, people uh, don't realize how hard winter workouts are. Uh, <laughs> get up at 530 in the morning. Actually, earlier than that, you got to be on the field at 530 at Ooh. least twice a week. Uh, flipping and rolling and doing all these bear crawls and different things. But now, you know, you get ready to, to get ready to put the pads on and get into spring. And for everybody, this is it's new this year. You know, you have a new yeah. coaching. Yeah, we got transfer guys. You got a new signing class. You know, so everything is wide open. And the thing I look forward to the most is competition because everyone's, everyone's starting at the same level. No one has a, a, a ground up because – you know, you're getting the same information at the same time as the person sitting beside you. Yeah. And, and, and that's what's going to make this spring very interesting. Um, I'm excited to see what happens with the quarterback situation. I'm excited to see what happens with the receiver situation. You know, we've got the Nick the Nick Marner, big 6'6 kid from Cincinnati. Ooh. We also got the 6'6, 6'7 tight end, uh, Rivaldo Fairweather from yep. FAU. So I'm excited to see what those two guys bring to the table along with our revamped offensive line. Uh, you know, we went out and got four top guys in the portal. And uh, so I'm excited to see how those guys start to gel together. And defensively, we really vamped up on the defensive line. We really anchored by Justin Rogers. But also, we got two quality linebackers, SEC guys, Demario Tolan and Justin, I mean, Austin Keyes. So, mm -hmm. you know, this is going to be an interesting spring, Taylor. And uh, I tell you what, I – you know, Coach Freeze, he's not the one to, to play around with when it comes to getting ready for for, for spring ball. So I look yeah. forward to seeing what he brings to the table and, uh, and how the guys respond. I mean, every coach knows the importance of spring, right? But I think for Hugh Freeze and this staff in particular, 
there is extra emphasis on it because they have to make up for lost time. Anytime you start something new, it's obviously you hit the ground running, but this coaching staff didn't just take on something new. They're having to right a lot of wrongs that have been done in the past couple of years and really get this ship headed back in the right direction. So it's more than just a new coaching staff. It also came with some baggage. I think we all know that. So there's a lot to it for this coaching staff. And, you know, I, you pointed out on our episode I guess it was last week that starting this early was actually not Hugh Freeze's interest. He he really wasn't trying to get going this early, but ultimately not up to him. It was predetermined and, and you kind of have to play with the cards you're dealt as is the case with everything that's been going on at Auburn in the past couple of years. And so you take advantage of it when you can. I think that the schedule is interesting that they have a week of, of practice. They started Monday. They had practice yesterday. They'll be in pads practicing tomorrow, but then they have a week off for spring break. And I, I think that that could be good or bad. It's totally up to the individual players, what they do with it. Because I think, you know, having the consistency of being back out there and kind of having it for a few weeks and then culminating in the A-Day game, one week on and then one week off and then back into it again, it might disrupt a little bit of rhythm, but I think it's about accountability and, and freeze is going to get the opportunity to see that. And his guys right out the gate, like what do you do in these few days of opportunity to be out on the field in front of your coaches with your teammates? And then you have a week to kind of, Take your free time how you want it and implement what you heard that week and come back fine-tuned so that the coaches don't repeat themselves with that or you don't. And so I think that in a way, the way the schedule is structured is going to it's going to show the staff what they need to start seeing, who is accountable, who is ready to put in the hard work now, and who is going to be coachable. Because at the end of the day, that's what they have to have in a new system. Oh, yeah, no doubt. That's the one thing about it. Someone asked me earlier today, I was doing a talk show and they said, hey, how did you feel, you know, as a player that went through different coordinators every year when you was at Auburn, but you had the same head coach, mm -hmm. how did you adapt to change? And I said, well, one, you have to be coachable and then you have to be a person that can't be easily frustrated. I said, yeah. because it takes time to implement a new system because it's not just a quarterback that's learning a new system. You got the receivers, the running backs, the offensive line, which is now the defense is learning a new system. So everyone is on the same page. So you, like you were saying, you have to be coachable. One, two, yeah. you got to be willing to be a sponge, you know, absorb information, uh, you know, and, and, and then don't just be in the, in the room, just stubborn, you know, cause yeah. you want to change your way, be willing to adapt to change. And I think, if these guys can do that, they'll move along a lot quicker, which I don't think is going to be a problem because Coach Freeze has been very open with them. He's been very, uh, you know, hands-on as far as helping these guys feel comfortable with the new coaching staff. So I think they're excited. They're 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 ready to turn the page and and you know and start from fresh. You know, it's a fresh start for everyone, and I just yeah. feel like the team, you know, is ready to take the attitude of your head coach. I'll always say that your team takes the head coach, the head attitude of your head coach. And I think Coach Freeze being the competitor that he is, you're going to see a competitive football team this year. I feel like everyone feels they have something to prove. And that, in, that includes Coach Freeze. I, I think that you would be lying if you said that he doesn't feel that way. I mean, his return to the SEC, his return to the Power Five, his return 
in a way to Auburn because he has always, I understand he wasn't here, but he has always had some ties, you know, his friendship with Gus Malzahn, his children going to Auburn, like there, there have been connections there. And so for him to have this opportunity for a lot of his coaching staff, where this is the biggest place that they have been, heck, even for a guy like Cadillac, who is coming off the opportunity of being a head coach for a few games. And now he knows his responsibilities are different now. His role is different. The Auburn fan base looks to him for more now so I think across the board players coaches staff everyone feels like there's something to prove here but they know that they have to prove it together it's no individual you know assignment that they're doing it's no individual narrative that they're trying to correct everyone just wants to write the ship of Auburn but you need all the pieces together to do it and I think that that's been established from the jump. It, you mentioned the new system, and and you're right. It certainly goes beyond the quarterback. And I've I've seen a lot of reports coming out of spring ball that they are introducing tempo back to this thing. That, that Hugh wants to bring a fast pace, up tempo offense, and that affects everyone. You know, the defense is sitting here going up. I'm winded. I hadn't done this in a while and y'all are making me go. So the addition of tempo, a whole new system. And like he has emphasized time and time again, there is no depth chart in his mind at this point. There are going to be equal rep reps throughout spring guys at positions. If you have had all the reps in the past couple of years, he doesn't care. Like you have to show him the same thing that a transfer is showing him first day at Auburn. Like he has said time and time again, you, no one here should be comfortable. And the thing is, I believe him. Like a lot of coaches like to say that because they want to breed competition but I think he's dead serious. I think he he doesn't look at this and go, well, what you did do, it doesn't matter because what you're going to be doing this year looks a whole lot different. So starting now, you are interviewing, you are trying out your experience. It's helpful that you've got it, but it's not going to be the determining factor if you start come August. Right. And the whole objective is not to be light, but to be respected. Yeah. You know, that's the thing with Coach Freeze. You know, he wanted to make sure the guys respect him and respect all his coaches. And when we walk through that door, your egos better be checked. And that's what you got to look for because let's let's face it, these guys now they they get they get paid, you yeah. know, they're also on scholarship. You know, everyone kisses up to them because you know they're the big stars walking around campus yeah and sometimes you know you can kind of feel like you you were that guy and uh and but but I always tell them and remind them guys last two years we have not had a winning record yeah so there's nothing to walk around with with your chest out there's yeah nothing to make you feel like you know people should be just running up to you and just owing you anything I said you guys need to understand you got a lot to prove Totally. And you got a lot to go and earn. Like we've had two losing seasons in a row, and we lost a bowl game to Houston in our own state in Birmingham, and we in our own state in the city of Birmingham. Yep. I'm like you know, whether we had players not playing or not, it doesn't matter. Like you got to create a mentality to get back to a winning mindset, and you got to get rid of this losing mentality. You got to let all that stuff go. And that, if, if I'm Coach Freeze, that's what I'm doing. I'm right. checking everyone's ego. Like. If you want to be here, it's not going to be easy. You have to earn a spot on this football team because that's what spring is all about. I want 15 guys that I feel like I'm going to put them through the toughest of times in the spring in hard-nosed situations and see how they react from a mentality standpoint because a lot of these guys, it's not going to be as physical because 
quarterbacks can't be touched. Right. You know, certain positions that they just hold guys back from just, you know, getting into a lot of physical contact. So you're not going to get a lot of that until fall camp. True. But really the first couple of games. So how do you challenge these guys mentally to see, like, who can who can adapt to certain situations if you just put them in some of them? And, you know, and then because I always say you can't tell a quarterback. I don't care what anybody say. You can't judge a quarterback until they're standing on the football field and they're alive. Live reps, yeah. Right down through the barrel. They hit them right in the chest and they got to stand there and throw a third and seven, a third and eight or hit a third and three pass to keep the drive moving. Right. Or otherwise you're going to be in a fourth down situation. Like you don't know that. I don't know who has that until they're in a live game. So quarterbacks is a little different. You want to see from a quarterback standpoint. How does this guy get through his progressions and how does he get through them quickly? Yep. What a lot of people don't realize is from an offensive line, we have a new offensive line. They're not just going to come in there all of a sudden just knocking doors down. They have to build chemistry. But right. what's the problem is the issue is we got to settle in on a quarterback at some point because what happens is when you're competing different quarterbacks, your offensive line doesn't know where these guys' set points are. Everyone's yeah. TJ may set at eight yards. Robin may set at seven, seven and a half. Holden Gurner may set at six, six and a half. You just don't know. So these guys are out there pass protecting against our defensive guys, but really not knowing where the quarterback's really set point is because everyone's different. So, you know, those are going to be things they got to work through, and that takes time. And I hope the Auburn fan base give them time. Sure. But like I said before, we will be very, very competitive and a lot better than you've seen in the last two years. It's just uh, how quickly can we get there? But what's the growing pains going to be? Exactly. Especially when you look at at the strength of the league that we're in, the strength of the division that we're in, and, and that isn't slowing down anytime soon. They're not going to wait on Auburn to catch up. You know what I mean? So it is going to be full steam ahead, but you're right. It, it has to include patience because there are so many moving pieces to this. And I think for the quarterback in particular, what will be interesting to see is not only how the current guys evolve under Hugh Freeze, who has been very effective with quarterbacks in the past. And I don't think that our quarterbacks necessarily have been given, you know, excellent fine tuning over the past couple of years. So that will be interesting and to see them settle in. But the potential of a transfer addition is not completely gone. As we have mentioned, another spring transfer portal window opens in May. After all of the spring games are done, another one will open. And what is pretty common and and there are certainly situations prevalent in college football this year that it could happen again a lot of these guys that are still with their former school go through spring brawl what go through spring ball get to their spring game and kind of see where the coach is leaning and if it's a backup situation and and there's a prominent competition going and it seems like the coaching staff has kind of focused in on one guy, that backup may go, hey, I'm not going to stick around here to be a backup all season. I've seen what I needed to see from spring. I'm going to go elsewhere. So while it's not the ideal situation, because as a coach, you would love to have your quarterback in spring ball, there is a potential another name gets added when all is said and done. There are a lot of prominent programs 
Ohio State being one of them, that have several viable quarterback options. And by the end of spring, if one of them doesn't feel like it's going to be their opportunity, they very likely could enter the portal after. That is the plan of a lot of guys, especially in Power 5 programs, to kind of test the waters with their respective school first and then enter the portal. So that is something that they could be dealing with. And I think some people are confused, Jay, and maybe you can enlighten us here. TJ Finley is participating in spring. And I think everyone has been under the assumption that he was gone. He was not with the team the last few weeks of season. He's been kind of in a MIA, but wasn't officially a transfer. So I, I think there's been some confusion, myself included. Now there's reports that he and Robbie are, are getting a lot of reps and then holding Gariner and, and walk on Sawyer Pate kind of after those two. Do you have any insight into what that's about? Well, I'll say this. Uh, one, the first thing you was talking about, like there is an opportunity to add people to this roster uh, yeah. once the green ball is over. That's why I tell these guys all the time, you know, this is this is an evaluation process. Yeah. You know, it's no different in the NFL. You go through OTAs and coaches are trying to see, okay, who can we add to sign before we get ready for training camp? Who we need to see more of or who we need to let go? And right. it's the same way here. When you have a first-year head coach, he can let so many guys go and add to his roster. Hmm. After year one, he can't. So he's still looking, evaluating, and I think he wants to give TJ a fair chance because it shows you that he doesn't have a whole lot of confidence in what he sees so far just in the quarterback room. But at the same time, he's like, okay, this guy was under a whole nother regime before I got here. And there was some chaos, you know, now I want to see, now I want to see, let me see what he can do under us, under yeah. my tutelage, and what can I bring to the table and see how he reacts before we just say, okay, you can just, we'll let you go. Yeah. So I think it's just one of those situations where it's like, okay, we're having, we don't just have a guy just yet. So why do we have to push him out the door? You know, yeah. so I think, I think they sat around and talked about it and figured out a way to say, hey, we're an open door right now. Every kid has the same opportunity to go out there. Who to say Holden Gurner didn't come out of spring balling? You know, so the All American coming out of high school. You know, you don't get much of him because it's cause it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. But at the same time, like this is a room that's still developing. So we don't have all the answers just yet. But it just goes to show you where Coach Freeze's mindset is right now with the quarterback position. Yeah, definitely. And look, Robbie. Robbie has been fired up about it since day one. He very much has has bought in and, and feels like this is his job to lose. And for all intents and purposes, it is right now. You know, he he gave us the best chance last year and and with minimal blueprint to really help him. So this this situation that he's in could be very different. And I think that he's taken to it with the mindset of I'm gonna be the starter. Basically, the rest is yet to be written in in my eyes for the quarterback situation. And I think that a lot will be uncovered as the system is implemented, as these coaches get more access to these guys. And you know what? I think it's interesting. I was reading a lot of reports coming out of spring. Hugh is delegating a lot of responsibilities to his coordinators and assistant coaches at spring and how they're kind of operating. Hugh is on the phone recruiting. Like he's, he's, do, he's very involved. Don't get me wrong, but I actually like that. I, because I think that we talk so much about the chemistry being built 
amongst the teammates. They got to get it with their assistant coaches too. They got to have it with their position coach, with that group, because you are in the weeds with those guys for dang near a year, you know? So to start building that working relationship and that on-field chemistry with these guys and to look at them as your superior, not just Hugh, I think that that's, that's smart. And I think that, yeah, it allows Hugh to still be out there building the future, but it allows his current coaches and players to start building that rapport and have that chemistry that you're going to need in game. Because at the end of the day, it isn't just about the head coach. And I think Hugh knows that. Well, he was the CEO right now. You yeah. Know? And I think he understands like the, the coach at a big time program. Yes. You can be a head coach coordinator at Liberty, but he also was the head coach coordinator at Ole Miss. Yeah. I think he understands the toll that it takes on you. And he wants to be able to, because you can't be in all these places at one time. Mm-hmm. And he knows as a head coach at Auburn, you're getting pulled to so many different quarterback clubs. You're getting pulled to so many booster meetings. You're getting pulled over here to recruiting. So you're at all these different places. So it, it doesn't allow you the time to sit in a, in a, in a room and go over a board and say, okay, display this play this play that's right. why you don't have confidence that's why you went out and hired coach montgomery you know someone that has experience of running a similar style offense that he runs but also you know knows how to develop players yeah and the way he has trust in his offensive coordinator so that he can go and be a ceo still have hands-on in certain areas but still he doesn't have to be the overseer day in and day out he can go do the things that a head coach needs to do and yeah. That's the same thing with Coach Roberts on the defense coordinator. Him and Coach Montgomery coached together before, I believe it was at Baylor. Mm-hmm. So these two have a history together. So when practices are being organized, if Coach Freeze can't be there, you're not going to miss a beat. Yeah. Because these two guys understand each other. So they know how to say, Coach, give me a third and two situation. Give me a Sam Mike blitz, you know, with the backside in dropping. Yep. You know, like, and he'll be like, okay, I got you. And that way, just so they can see stuff, it's chemistry that goes with coaching. So true. That's why I was never really sold, you know, like once Harson was hired and he brought in Bobo and then he brought in coach Derek Mason, I was just kind of like, where's their chemistry going to be at? Yeah. They haven't coached together. You know what I'm saying? Like it's one thing for me to know you, but if we haven't coached together at some point or have some type of feel, you running similar things that I like to run, then I get it, but in those positions, you better have some type of chemistry when it comes right. to head coach, OC, and defense coordinator. Oh, yeah, that was disjointed from the start. We all knew that. But um, I really like the way they're structuring this so far. So, again, they will have another practice tomorrow. That is Friday. They will be in pads for that. They are off next week for spring break, and then they return. The first scrimmage will be March 17th, and then again, Spring ball culminates with a day, which happens on April 8th. If you are considering going tickets are on sale now, so make sure you grab them. Um, Jay, who I'm inclined to ask you specific guys, but if you also want to say a position group, be my guest. Um, Who do you think has the most to gain from spring ball? And if you want to go one on each side or position you, whatever, but I think that while it's important for the entirety of the team, it's important for the coaching staff, it's important for everyone to kind of get their legs under them in this whole new thing. But if there is are a couple names that you think, hey, for them, it starts right now. They show something right now and it sees itself into fruition come season. Who are those guys for you? Ooh, one that comes to my mind is Kedrick Falk. 
Okay. Uh, the reason I say Keldre Falk is, you know, he was our first five-star recruit we've signed since probably Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson. Yeah. Um, the thing about him, he's big, he's tall, he's long. And I think him being an early enrollee in January, I think helps him get ready for the fall. I think if he missed, if he didn't sign, he didn't sign in, in December, mm-hmm. show up in January, I think it would have been hard for him to come in in June and July and be able to give the value that he's going to be able to give us this year. Yeah. Coming in early, he's able to get stronger. He's able to get in the weight room. He's able to get acclimated to class. He know where he's at, where he's going. It gives him a whole spring to be able to study film, become better before going into summer practices. So I think he's a guy that can help us defensively in that Derrick Hall position type, type position. Okay. Um, I, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see really – how does Jalen Simpson come back this year? Okay. You know, because you have Nehemiah Pritchett, you have, you know, DJ James. Yeah. But Jalen is a guy that they've been dependent on for years to, to to be that the that corner. You know, mm-hmm. so how does he fit in coming in, rotating with those guys? And then you look at Keontae Scott. Keontae was a highly touted corner that came out of JUCO last year that played a lot of nickel for us. And I expect him to be the starting nickel this year. So sure. from a depth standpoint, our secondary should be loaded. Yes. So we should get our hands on some balls this year. We should really make some plays on the back end because we can alternate guys in and out. So if teams like to go five wide or four wide, we can match up. So, so sure. I'm interested to see how these guys adapt to Coach Roberts' defense uh, from a coverage standpoint. The one yep. guy I want to see dominate is Justin Rogers the Kentucky transfer because yeah. he's a big guy he's uh you know up front he's going to draw double teams so that's going to allow some of our ends to be freed up on tackles to be sure. able to rush the passer so I want to see how he does uh coming out of spring and the energy level because you know he could really be an anchor for this defense this year and, and kind of get this thing going fast Definitely. And it's going to be needed. Look, I think that this spring and even fall camp are going to be the most competitive in the trenches that we have had in years, Jay. I I mean, like there are guys that have been on this roster for several years, have several games under their belt and their jobs in question. I, I mean, that's just going to be the nature of the situation. And I think for veterans, their eyes have been opened a little bit, even in this first couple of days, I, I saw a lot of positive um feedback about Jeremy Garrett at, at the D-line coach and and how active he's been and and showing guys stances and coming off blocks instead of just pointing to tape like there's a different energy level because the trenches are going to be competitive there is depth there are numbers and that hadn't been the case gracious alive think about spring last year how many injuries we had we were like well this offensive line is going to be makeshift until fall camp because everyone's freaking injured that ain't the narrative this year so I think that everyone in the trenches will level up a little bit because competition for them starts now. But a name that I have penciled is Camden Brown. I think that he has so much to show, so much that honestly he did show last year, but it was just not able to be acknowledged because of so many other things we were lacking. This kid has the makings of an incredible, reliable target. But you bring in a guy like Nick Mardner, like you mentioned, who's listed at 6'6". His size and length is something we hadn't had in a while. But Camden's a little thicker. Camden's got 
mobility and aggressiveness. And I think that he could be one that you aren't going to get him on first contact and his yards after catch. Like Nick Mardner may be your back of the end zone 50-50 ball guy. Camden Brown may be your yak guy. So I think that this is a, a time for him. He gave a tease last year, and unfortunately no one could even really examine it for what it was because of we, we got bigger fish to fry, kid. The offensive line, the quarterback, like we're struggling. This could be a breakout season for him, and I think that he will put coaches on notice if he starts that now. So that's mine. I, I, I would give honorable mention to Damari Alston also. Okay. Okay. I I like your two picks. I like it too. I like Camden for one big reason. He wears one seven. Oh, uh, there it is. <laughs> the, other, the, other, the other reason is you talked about Nick Martiner. Nick Martin mm-hmm. is a tall receiver that can show a young Camden Brown how to use his body and size against some of the better DBs that he's going to face this year. Very so true. I like those two tandems together. You put both of those guys outside. You got one six five on one side, another six five six six on the other side, yep. and then you got your guys on the inside, like your Malcolm Johnsons and your Javaris, uh, Javaris Johnson. Like you yep. got those guys. Like this could turn out to be a dynamic passing game. I think so too, especially considering it, it felt like an area with so many question marks in the past couple of seasons. Going into fall, it could be a position group that we have a lot of confidence in. So that, especially with a quarterback situation that has a little bit of question mark, that receiver group can provide a lot of confidence for whoever's back there. So very exciting that football is back on the planes in any capacity. So we will continue to track all of the action coming out of spring ball, and we'll keep you posted on all of it as we get closer and closer to A-Day. But we can't put it off any longer. We got to talk about basketball. If anyone is like us and is still struggling from the results of last night's game, maybe this will be therapeutic for all of us because Jay and I literally started talking about it just before we even started recording. We've got a lot to work out here. So let's get into it. Tigers went into Tuscaloosa last night, had a very comfortable lead as they have in so many of these losses down the stretch, up as much as 17 against the number two team in the nation, Alabama, end up in overtime and unfortunately lose it by five. So here's how I gauge the emotional component of sport with my team, because I think as a fan, we all get so affected by the emotion we feel for our team, right? Whether it's the joy of a big win or the frustration of a tough loss, you're going to feel it at a heightened level if you love your team as much as we do. But what I gauge it is a coach's response. If it's a coach that I think has a good head on his shoulders, and I think that Bruce Pearl does. So when Bruce handles post-game interviews, a lot of times it calms me down. And I'm like, okay, he's got a good point. Like he's being level-headed, whatever. Bruce was pissed last night. Bruce was pissed and Bruce talked about being pissed with the officiating, with the imbalance of how Alabama was playing versus how we were playing. The fact that three guys were out of the game by overtime, like it, it was... It was ridiculous to watch. And so I felt validated in how frustrated I was by the end of that game in hearing Bruce explain it. Because lest we not forget, Bruce will get fined. Bruce will get in big trouble for making comments like that against aspects of the league like officiating. But it comes to a point when you're a head coach that if you are continually seeing injustice, you are doing your players a disservice by not talking about it. So you kind of bite the bullet and just take it, which clearly he finally got to the breaking point. And I don't blame him. Now, here's the thing. Auburn doesn't know what to do with a lead. 
This team does not know how to capitalize when they get up on a team. You are up 17 on the number two team in the nation in their home home court. And lest we not forget, it's a rivalry. It's a an arena full of people that hate you, and you still are up 17. Very impressive. You shouldn't have been in a situation where fouls like that made as much of an impact as they did. So that's first and foremost. But the situation with Janai Broom that eventually led to a couple Alabama players being ejected, but certainly was a swing of momentum and an impactful piece of the game and took out our starting center was one of the worst handlings by an officiating crew that I have ever seen. They fixated so much on the Alabama players that left the bench that in my opinion, they completely overlooked what actually happened that led to the scuffle on the court. Quinterly, Knocks Janai Broom out of bounds. Janai is literally laying on the ground. His arm is like stuck on Quinterly. He doesn't have him by the jersey or the arm or anything. His arm's just still up with him. Way out of bounds, Quinterly throws the ball at Janai to knock it back out. Stands over him talking, saying God knows what. Wendell comes over, tries to separate him. Of course, Quinterly's throwing his hands on Wendell. KD comes over. It never seems to be good when additional players come over. But when you isolate the incidents of what actually happened, Janai did nothing wrong. He was fouled. I don't know how there was not a tech on Quinterly. His actions in that whole situation, he was the aggressor. You can watch it time and time again. I, I cannot see where that is the result of this thing. It knocked Broom out of the game with seven minutes left in regulation. Then, of course, overtime, which we ended up in. And then, obviously, Alabama had momentum. Quinterly went off the rest of that game and I, I couldn't understand for the life of me how something was mishandled so badly but we ejected two players because they left the bench I I, I said a couple weeks ago I hate blaming officiating for losses I'm not even blaming them for the loss because I, I blame Auburn you had a 17 point lead but I just blame bad officiating when it is that glaring yeah two aspects on that you make great points valid i say this, uh, one for me was it took him way too long. He actually should have got a tip because once Janiyah, he threw Janiyah to the ground and he fell, he turned around and threw the ball yep. and hit Janiyah. So yep. there was no tip call there. And then, you know, like I said, they got into the scuffle with, with Wendell Green. I was more so saying, okay, if he's getting his two free throws, the tech needs to go to Auburn as well, where Auburn needs to get two free throws on the other end because he threw the ball and hit Janai. So that was my thing right there that they missed that because they were so focused on the other end of the court, yes. on who was on the court, who ran off the court, who was celebrating, and who was running towards the fight, uh, towards the incident, whatever you want to call it. So they mishandled a lot of that when they had so much time to sit there and look at it. That's the disturbing part. If they mm -hmm. have to decide, you like, oh man, hey, missed that because they was trying to hurt and get that part right. Well, you had this much time that you was sitting there over the teleprompter, like for them to make that mistake and to miss the key point of that was a huge turning point in the ball game because one, I think we was wearing down Alabama. We got him, we gave him time to rest. They got the energy back up. Mm -hmm. We lost our center at the time, so now we're trying to figure out, okay, are we gonna play zone? We're we gonna play man on defense. Right. And so, so there was a lot of things that went wrong, but then again, 
I don't ever get comfortable right now with Auburn basketball team when we have leads. Nope. Because we tend to almost, I don't know what it is. Like, do we relax or do we just, you know, feel like we got it in hand? It's just, even at the Ole Miss game that I was at last week, we go up on Ole Miss a good number of bit. They come back they and they take a lead on us, you know, and then we had to come back and fight and win that game. Yeah. Then we go to Kentucky and, you know, we started off strong and then it just unraveled. But this, I don't understand, like, this is when players on the court have to take over leadership. Yeah. Because when you're up 17 points, if you see you're up 17 points, where you got to hang your head on, offensively, you got to keep attacking. But where you hang your head on, defense. Mm-hmm. We got to step it up on defense. Like, right. don't allow this team to cut the lead to 10. Don't allow this team to cut the lead to eight because we know we're on the road. We're in their powerhouse. We're in their in their environment. So we understand they're going to feed off that energy. So every time they make a run, we got to play defense to stop the run. And I just feel like they just kept letting them just chip at it and chip at it and chip at it. End up getting down a three-point game with like three minutes ago. And I said, we're in trouble because yeah. at this point in time, denial's out of the game. And then somebody else, Caldwell, gets hurt. Caldwell got hurt. Alan Flanagan fouled out. And then Jalen fouled out. Yeah, because I was just like, so then we go to overtime. We're down by five. Katie hits a big shot. And it just seemed like every time we feel like we're about to tie the game up and come back, and then there's this foul that comes out of nowhere. They they call. And I'm just like, that was not a foul. I was just like. You know, and it wasn't being called on the other end of the court. That's uh, that's where you get frustrated. And look, there is always going to be an element of human error and perception in sport because we still use the human eye and the human eye is going to see things differently. Now, granted, you have ample opportunity to correct it because you have video evidence and support and other people backing you. So if it is still done wrong, I don't know what you blame, but The reality is in environments like that, there is subconscious, I'll even give them the benefit of saying subconscious, human bias that is going to be affected. The the environment, the energy, like you more than likely are going to have a couple calls that lean Alabama's way because of the situation that you're in. So as the traveling team, as the road team, you got to keep yourself out of those situations where it could come down to an impartial call that is the result of the game. We should not have been in those situations. We should not have given up a lead that was that comfortable. We really had command of that game, majority of it, uh, until probably seven minutes left. Like that really, it had started to swing by the by the time the scuffle happened. There were a couple costly turnovers and things like that that you felt the momentum was swinging. I think they went on like an eight-no run right before that, but then they just capitalized from there. But my point is, I, I don't blame this for the loss, but it is glaringly obvious that there are blatant mistakes and Auburn is getting penalized for everything. And it comes to some point where you go, I, I've never subscribed to conspiracy theories about things being rigged or betting or anything. But some of these, you look at it and you go, I don't know what else to say because any untrained eye can see what this is and you are supposed to be the most trained that there is so uh, it's it's very unfair and and look there is such a struggle for me right now from a, a moral aspect with this Alabama team as it is and, and I think that that certainly plays a factor into it everyone already feeling like 
how is this taking place the way that it is? I mean, I think that there is an imbalance of what the NCAA is putting their efforts into right now. I mean, we have the University of Miami's women's basketball team under investigation because two twin transfers went to dinner at a donor's house. But we're not going to say anything about a potential accomplice in a crime because he's the perceived number one overall pick. And this is one of the top four teams in the nation. We're not even going to make a comment or suspend while we figure this out. So I think from a moral aspect, you can't feel great about the way this situation is being taken care of. And for a coach like Nate Oates, for the AD at Alabama, for the lack of accountability and ownership that has been going on, to then see the way that they're playing the game and the way that the character of these guys is still coming off so brass and so abrasive that's where you you throw your hands up and you go, I, I have no idea how to evaluate this without emotion. And I think Bruce got to that point too. Yeah, this a, it's a lot to digest. Uh, you When you think about so much that's been going on at the Alabama program over the last, what, month and a half? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like you say, sometimes in these situations, you know, the universities usually take down and say, hey, until we know more, we're going to sit a person down. And that's that's usually the protocol. Yeah. And right now it's almost like the fact that they're what ranked number one, number two in some polls is almost like they're they're looking at that and that's kind of taking over real life. Correct. And and everything. So there's a lot to that that they need to unravel and a yeah. lot that they need to do. Um at the end of the day, like these kids need to also understand that they're not invincible. And they're not untouchable. Uh, yeah. I think we're living in days and times where we're dealing with young athletes. Uh, you know, now that they're having NIL, they're getting money, they're getting endorsements, they're getting all these different things. But also, think about it. these are five-star recruits coming to high school. What do you do to five-star recruits? You build them up. You pump their heads up. You give, all right, you you give them all kind of. You know, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. You're this, yeah. you're this. So then all of a sudden, once they get to your campus, they feel like they they demand, they own that's everything. What they they feel like that's what they expect. So when they come into situations where they're denied something or they or someone tells them no or something like this, they don't know how to handle it. Why? Because we haven't made them understand, like, yes, you have a good talent. But your talent and your character are two separate things. So true. And, and they need to learn how to understand your character needs to meet your talent. Yes. You know, like, and vice versa. So if you're a great player on the court or on the field, you need to be a great person off the court and on right. the, on the court, off the court. So we as a society have to do a better job instead of pumping these kids up, making them feel like they're untouchable, sit them down and make them realize like, guys, your decisions and your choices that you make can have a very effect, not only just you, the people around you as well. And we've seen incidents now, the last two things that come across TV, you know, at Alabama and at Georgia, yeah. which is another sad story on top of a sad story. You know, you, you start to hear other things that are happening in More that decisions. situation. And it all comes back to, you know, decision-making and all yeah. comes back to, putting yourself around people to say, no, we don't need to do that. No, we don't need to do that. Like understanding, being told no sometimes 
helps you grow more in life than someone saying yes to you all the time. Right. And I think in these situations, man, we have got to, uh, as a whole, these schools, these NCAA, everybody's got to start looking at this and be like, hey, how can we start to hone in back these programs and hone in back on these players and making sure that we're teaching them life skills and not just give them everything they want because they can go out and play a sport to a high level. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, these are going to be grown men. They're going to be grown women. They're going to be mothers. They're going to be fathers. And at the end of the day, longer than they are players. Yeah. You know? So what are we teaching them in life? I feel like we're failing these kids in life skills. Like yeah. there's no classes that's teaching them life skills like on these campuses right now. You know, like there's nothing where someone comes in and you allow people to like talk to them. And like, I'm not just talking about talk to them. I'm talking about like dive in and be real with them. Sure. Like let them understand and everything. So until we get to that point, we're going to have some of these incidents that are just bad that just shouldn't happen. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's what we got to get to because like examples has to be made and you have to make those tough decisions. It doesn't matter if you're your best player on the team or it's the person that you feel like, you know, not as great as the person that's the you best. You can do without. Team. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they have to be treated equally, yep. you know, and that's how you get the attention of guys and get the attention of these young people. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And that's why, you know, the job of a coach, especially in collegiate athletics, goes beyond the game and it goes beyond skill. It You do assume a, a, a responsibility for the character of these guys and how they represent your program. And I think that's what becomes frustrating in watching this Alabama team play, because I'm not saying that oh, because something terrible happened that one or potentially more of the players were involved in, that the refs should be calling more fouls on them. That's not what I'm saying. But if this was Auburn, if this was an Auburn player that this happened to, and our head coach continuously made bonehead comments about the thing, the AD was nowhere to be found, and we were just handling it so poorly to the point that we were we were the villain of the season. Like, open your social media people hate this Alabama basketball team other than Bama fans for the reasons that are very obvious if this was Auburn and our brand had been tainted by this I would expect the guys who are out there playing would want to write that wrong and be like look the perceived narrative of this program is incorrect like this is not who we all are this is not the character of this place like that's that's not who we are because the reality of this situation is what happened has become who they are that's the perception of of the casual sports fan right now and people that are just hearing about the situation they're not doing anything to change that they are playing with a very unlikable attitude, lack of character, and minimal to no sportsmanship. And Nate Oates has no control of them. I, I mean, I think you saw that with the the scuffle situation and the way that his guys handled it, the takeoff from the bench, even the ones that weren't going to the scuffle, because that's what they were debating. Because apparently if you're heading to it, you get ejected. But some of them were celebrating and they were trying to figure out which ones were celebrating because it was their possession after that. Even looking at the guys celebrating, knowing that you are your guys are in the midst of a scuffle, several of them take off running, they're flexing, like they just have 
this air about them that they're playing with that is mind-blowing considering what your name is being associated with this season. I would just think that it would be more important to them to showcase a respectable brand in the midst of the chaos that you are associated with right now. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, uh, cultural. You know, we yeah. always think about culture. Uh, when you think about it as a coach, even when – you know, you're a teacher or whatever. When someone comes to your classroom, there's a certain culture of something that you're trying to build. And right now, it feels like his basketball team is kind of out of control. Uh, you know, like, it's almost like he has no parameter. Like, even Quinn early last night was doing a lot of just smash talking and, like, a lot of just, you know, bully type stuff. A you know, lot. Looking back, saying stuff the and everything. And the refs never got that under control. <laughs> and and everything. I know it's a heated rivalry. I know things are said, things are done, but they was almost letting them get away with too much. And they didn't do anything to try to calm that down. There, there was no tech thrown. Yep. Like, you had to throw a tech early in the game that say, okay, guys, look, we're not tolerating this type of attitude tonight, right. whether it's Alabama or whether it's Auburn. We're not going to tolerate this type of attitude. And the thing is, they let that thing continue to grow and the narrative continue to grow, where I was just like, okay, he deserved a tech two quarters ago i mean not two quarters ago two minutes three minutes yeah. ago and he still is jawing and everything but then when he threw the ball and hit janiah and then he was still talking smack two plays later like talking back and you can tell it was kind of like you know how you're in a playground you're playing you had this bully it's almost like he felt like and they feel like they are the bullies yeah you know they've embraced like, it yeah they almost feel like oh we we the bullies you yeah. know and, that type of mindset can get you in trouble because what that happened is you got the SEC tournament coming up. You got the NCAA tournament coming up. Like it can just, it can come back to haunt you if you don't get your team under control yeah. and especially change your culture right now, because you can do all this winning and everything, but your culture does not look good right now. No. And, and, and that's the thing. They, don't have a good culture and that's something they're gonna have to seriously like take a hard look at because you know it's right now it's 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 wild even just watching on tv i can see like i know sports you know what I'm saying like i know where guys you know what i'm saying sometimes you just let certain things just kind of go to the sideways it can become yeah. a bigger issue yeah 100 percent that one was that one stung more than just some of these narrow losses. And and I think you even heard that in, in Bruce Pearl post game and some of the things he said. Um, or Alabama. Huh? Both losses to Alabama hurt. Yeah. Both. Those games. Yeah. Um, it, it's just indicative of some imbalance that is happening and it's, you also have the moral conflict of of what you're even watching and who you're watching and what they it's just it's been a lot. So anyway, those are my thoughts on it. Unfortunate. But the guys will close out the regular season this Saturday with a home matchup against Tennessee. Obviously, a big one NCAA tournament is a glimmer of a hope and uh 
they got to get it done. There, there's no way around that. So it'll be a big one. It's also senior day. So if you're around Auburn, make sure you go check that out on Saturday. It's actually going to be a very busy weekend in the Plains, yet again on the Plains. Uh, baseball will be hosting another home series this weekend. We've got Lipscomb coming to town. That will start on Friday. They are coming off a win over Florida A&M yesterday, Two wins and a tie decision in the series against USC last weekend. So off to a great start for this team. So if you're around Auburn, go check them out. You can also check out softball, who's off to a very hot start this season. They are 16-1 and on the season. Their lone loss, a one-run decision to pit. They will be hosting Bowling Green, South Alabama, and Tennessee Tech this weekend for a tournament. So you can check out softball and baseball and basketball on the planes this weekend and then spring break. So it'll be a ghost town after that, but kick it off with some sports uh, and gymnastics. Gymnastics defeated Georgia this past weekend at home, 197.55 to 196.075. They will be on the road this weekend. They're about the only team that'll be on the road. They will be facing Kentucky tomorrow night, and that will be on SEC Network. So lot of action on the planes jay it's it's a busy march oh it's fun march fun uh you march. know I'm all, about, I'm all about the the warm weather you know not about the piling but i'm about the warm weather. <laughs> good <laughs> and, point uh, and i just feel like you know right now auburn baseball is in a good place mm -hmm. i really i have some really really good young talent uh even Auburn softball is in a good place yeah uh, gymnastics is in a good place yeah um, you know football is turning around to get in a good place yep so there's a lot of positive things going on and you know it's kind of like you just got to ride the wave i just hope yeah. your basketball team can finish out strong this weekend find a way to get into the tournament i think it helped them the fact that they did go on the road last night and played a tough environment and took that game to overtime Worst overtime yeah with three of our top players out um uh, got fouled out of the game i do think that helps but if you beat tennessee on saturday i think you get in yeah maybe 11th seed or 12th seed, but as long as you get in, like anything can happen. Yeah. Or they could take the mindset and say, hey, we can do like we did a couple of years ago. Let's go to the SEC championship and let's go compete and try to win it. And we make sure we get ourselves in the tournament, That's but true. then we also get hot at the right time. That's when a lot of teams, they catch fire. So I'm looking forward to a Taylor Davis, see what happens. <laughs> Uh, like I said, this has been a great episode. We got a chance to talk about some things that a lot of people don't want to touch. Yeah. Uh, I just think from a from a parameter standpoint, a moral standpoint, and different things, I do think we should touch some of those things. I agree. Um, and everything, like I said, we talked about it in depth and understand as a society, we all need to do better um, yeah. and everything and stop, you know, treating these kids like you can't tell them no because you're scared they're going to cut you off and all this type of stuff. Like we can't do that. Like yep. hurting them more than we're helping them. So, uh, you know, let's continue to scribe, continue to do what we do. We'll continue yes. to give it to you on believe in everything podcast. And, uh, you know, Taylor Davis, she never slows down. She got SF. <laughs> we also got the combine. We got five Auburn guys in the combine right yes. now. I think oh, six, wow. actually. I had pulled it. Derek Hall, Echo Leota, Colby Wooden, Owen Papo, Tank Bigsby, and Anders Carlson are all there. So we actually have six guys. Thank you for reminding me of that. It actually started today for linebackers and defensive line. So Hall, Wooden, Leota, and Papo all showing out today. 
Anders Carlson will go tomorrow and then Tank will round things out on Sunday with the running backs and offensive line. So thank you for reminding me of that because those guys are certainly stepping into the next level and beginning that with the combine, which is always exciting, getting closer and closer to the draft come April. So always exciting things. And yes, there's there's just so many levels, you know, to to sports right now and, and collegiate athletics. And, and you welcome that in with a lot of the changes that we've implemented, both good and bad. But if you are in a position like we are to discuss it, you, you can't turn a blind eye to the things that are uncomfortable. So um, Jay and I are very true to our own feelings and opinions about things while still just presenting the facts. So we hope that our listeners resonate with that. And we hope that you come on back next week because we will have another riveting episode of Believe in Everything Auburn. We'll continue to get some guests for you as we climb through spring ball and everything that happens in and around Auburn athletics as another school year gets closer and closer to closing out, which is crazy enough. It has been Quite a few years since we graduated, Jay, but feels like yesterday. So I remember spring on the plains. It's always a lot of fun. So anyway, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Hope you have a fantastic week. Until we talk again, War Eagle. War Eagle. <laughs> thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.